0: Welcome, everyone. We've got Scott and Misty Bauer here with us, as you can see. So that's great. We're really pleased to have them here. So um, we're obviously we're sitting down, which is a change for learning already. So we're doing this in a slightly different style today, um, which is great. So welcome as well to John, who's here with us for the first time. Please do say hello to him and make him welcome. Um, what we do on these learning Sundays, is we get some fantastic people from all around the world to come and share their stories and experiences uh, with us. And obviously this year we're calling this rule of life and we're revisiting those six values of 24-7 prayer that we hold so uh, important to us and have shaped so much of what we do and and how we live. Um, And we're just going back to those as we emerge from lockdown and and thinking going back to to what we know (laughs) and maybe learning some new things hopefully along the way. Some of the things we might have forgotten. So Scott and Misty are here with us, uh, speaking particularly around topics of justice, um, which was great to have Ruth Valerio come last month, wasn't it? Uh, as she spoke about particularly uh, justice, we to talk about the environment, uh, climate justice, um, and Scott and Misty will come as much as they do care about that and cherish that. They're coming from they'll come from their own their own angle today. Um, so do feel free as and when you want, maybe not you guys, to get teas and coffees whenever you want <laughs> and go to the toilet. Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm going to pray to start with. Uh, we'll just give this morning to, to God. And as much as we want to hear from Scott and Misty, to want God to speak to us as well. And yeah, Holy Spirit, we just um, we long to know you and be with you. Help us to recognize your presence in this place. Thank you for friends and companions in our journey of knowing you and loving you who come and share their wisdom with us. Pray for Scott and Misty now. Thank you that their lives have been preparation for for today. And The way they live uh, to honour you prepares them to talk about how to live for you. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so God be with us now. Speak to us, we pray. Amen. Oh, Amen. So, I don't know if you guys want to start just by maybe introducing yourselves a little bit before we go into some, some questions.
1: Yes. Oh, <laughs> crikey. Scott can make me quiet again. Thank you. Um, so good to be with you again. Um, Scott and I were chatting, I was trying to work out when we were last here. Uh, I think it was about four years ago we worked out. Um, so, yeah, it's really cool to, to be with you again. Um, just to, uh, d- before I even say who I am, just disclaimer that you know, Charles, mailed us to say, could we come and speak about justice? And I'm like, no. <laughs> 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 what do we know? Like, we don't we don't know anything. Um, we don't know much, and um, and we're learning, and uh, like we want to learn from you. Um, want to want this to be a conversation together. Um, so we eventually, <laughs> we left it for a while, and then we, we made up and said, how about we just come and uh, you can interview us and you can ask some questions and we can talk and, and we'll do that. Is that okay? And then Charles came back and said, yeah, 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 you can speak and then we can interview you. I was like, no. <laughs> no,
0: we really aren't going to do that. So we are just going to have a chat, right? Good. Um, so, so my first question is going to be, if you're going to speak for an hour and 15 minutes on Justice, what would you say? Yeah, um,
1: yeah. So I'm Scott. Um, uh, we live in Guildford, part of the Emmaus uh, Church over there. Um, uh, I work for a, an organisation called CSW, which is a Christian human rights organisation that um, advocate for religious freedom all around the world. For uh, yeah, for those that suffer for their faith. Or their religion, or their belief, or their lack of belief, and uh, yeah, we do that in all kinds of crazy places. I was in Nigeria last two last month, this month, month. a couple, yeah, a few weeks ago, where things are just shocking. Um, so yeah, we work all around the world. Maybe we'll touch on some of those stories a bit later.
2: And I'm Misty. Day to day, I run a Christian youth work organisation called Matrix. Um, we do some similar stuff to what you guys do here in this school, I believe. Is that right? um and yeah we also have two now adult in inverted commas, children um who mimi and evan who are 21 and 18 currently still living at home but pursuing their own lives of of justice actually <laughs> politics and um, working with early years
1: misty is also a director of, of two social enterprises and uh yeah a, a fellow of something to do with social enterprise and stuff as well. She does herself down a little. She's also got a master's in social justice and education, so she's kind of passed us.
0: Yeah, that's brilliant. And also, you're both... champions and perpetuators and carriers of the 24-7 prayer movement. Um, You know, we've really benefited from all that you've given to that as a movement. Uh, All of us here will have benefited from that, so uh, thank you. Um, So I guess, obviously you've talked about, you both are working day to day Pursuing justice, aren't you, um, in your own ways and in your own rights? Um, and I guess individually, you would have your own and um, particular perspectives and passions on what justice means to you, um, how you might define it, or how you see it. Um, so, how would you? How do you define justice?
1: Uh, do you want to go You
2: a... go first. <laughs> So for me, it's really simple. Justice is love in action. You know, Jesus taught us to love our our neighbors, also to love our enemies. And actually for me, justice is about demonstrating that love in action, going out amongst people, getting alongside people, looking for those who are ignored, looking for those um, for whom justice um, is not served and, and standing alongside them. So for me, that's what it means practically.
1: Um, I think we're, we're, you know, we read in our Bibles and our, our understanding of God and Jesus shows us what the kingdom of heaven is, right? Right? Like, that's, that's it. So this, and that's like, well, this is how the world should be, Like right? This, this is how it should be. We should be loving our neighbors and like caring for the poor and you know, the, that everybody has enough and like the ex 242 stuff like that's how the world should be and then when we look around and it's not like that justice is pulling the kingdom of heaven into our reality um yeah whatever that might be whether that's in education or business or human rights or whatever it is it's just it's it's the the joy of being able to pull the kingdom of heaven towards earth a little bit you know we pray yeah may your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven and that's justice that's what we're trying to do and you know, it's a lot about you know Misty was reading the, the OMS definition of justice yesterday to try to do a bit of homework okay. um <laughs> And it's like kind of caring for the poor and the oppressed, and I'm like, well, it is. But like, let's just stop it with the labels, because we're all poor, and like, there are so many oppressions. It's, like, it's, it's about, yeah, it's caring for one another, and it, yeah, it's, let's just get away from the labels. I think some of the stuff Misty might talk about kind of just talks about the possibly the harm that those labels can do. You now, I'm part of, I'm a trustee of our. Um, at, Emmaus, our social transformation work over around Kilford and Woking, and like we we just it's just like those labels are just deeply unhelpful. You know, you're inviting people into kind of be part of a community where you're sharing lunch together, and the kind of there's all kinds of stuff going on. From um, we've got a bunch of um, Syrian uh, refugees that cook for. Uh, it, cook as a social enterprise going kind to of sell their their foods for, to local businesses going on we've got uh, we've got food banks we've got debt advice we've got well-being we've got uh, giving clothes to kids and, and you start calling those people poor and oppressed you know that like, flipping egg that's just that's not the heart of god right um yeah you just up. i
2: was just going to add to that that it, it's about looking at people as individuals it's not, it's like you say, it's not looking at people as a group and othering them, but it's looking at them as individuals and seeing, and not, and not just seeing their needs, but seeing them as people.
0: Yeah, yeah that's really good. And um, it, that feeds a lot, doesn't it, of some of the things that we've already heard in our, in our journey to this point in, in rule of life, isn't it, as well? Um, so that's great. Um, how, how have you then, as a, as a couple as a as then as a family and and still as individuals, how have you um, sort of committed to pursuing justice and there might be a few answers there because you know how yeah. you do it individually might be different to how you do it as a family, or you know what ways have you done that how, how do you commit to that
1: yeah we um, we were chatting earlier, and so, so the, the question for me is like when, when did I first become aware of the the need or the call towards justice, and uh, what, what does that what did that look like? Um, uh, so, f- for me, it was uh, being in Macedonia. Uh, it's a place we we spent a couple of years in in a um, Roma settlement called Shukka, which literally translates as shit heap. It's on the edge of, of Skopje, the, the the main city, um, and it's when the um, Balkan conflict was going on when Kosovo kind of was happening. All of these Roma kind of flooded across the border and kind of settled on the outskirts of Skopje. And you know, Macedonia is not a rich country anyway. But the Roma are at the bottom of the pile of that. And so you, we spent we spent a lot of time up there. Um, I used to hang out. At, we we used to be involved in uh, a kindergarten there, which is just such a delight. And I, I've, so I was there a few days a week and it's just such fun playing with kids that are um, from the age of three, some of them up to seven when they go to school. And you know, they, they're teaching me, <laughs> they're t- trying to teach me Macedonia and I was picking up Roma rather than Macedonia, which is quite, quite interesting. Um, and they're taking these kids that would otherwise be on the streets begging because that's how their parents could make some money, make enough money to, to get to get some food. Um, and taking them off off the streets, giving them an ed- giving them education, showing them that, that they have value and they value one another, kind of just teaching them that, that God loves them, that they are loved. Um, and we would walk around the uh, walk around the walk around Shutka with my friend greets going, and um, go to go and visit the families, and I, I think that you know the moment kind of just of realization. I think it's like this is not right, and we need to do something about it. Was sat in a in half a shipping container that was a home for three uh, three generations of a family, and just sitting on the floor outside of that, just eating salted tomatoes and drinking rakia, and it's like just the the joy of welcome and being with them, and it's like just that was that's where i first i think said that enough's enough and that this is what this is what i need to spend my life doing like that's it was fairly simple really do you want to talk about what you
2: yes yeah, so in the same vein yeah so i started life as a primary school teacher and went back into it after we'd done all the traveling and things around macedonia and um to say I was a square peg in a round hole, I think, is, is a, an under underestimation, and one of those reasons wasn't just because I don't like rules and, and ticking all the boxes, um, but it goes back to that thing of labelling, and specifically labelling children and um, for those of you who are teachers um, or understand when, when you handed one class from uh, another so I was a year three teacher at the end of the academic year the year two teacher would tell you all about the children you were going to get the next year which was helpful um, however they would also give them the, tell you the labels that they put on them. Not intentionally, but they would tell you, well, this one behaves like this, and this one does that, and this one. And whilst that was helpful, and you could make sure there were provisions for those young people, actually, it, it meant that you are already looking at that child through somebody else's eyes. You're not looking at that child through God's eyes. You're looking at them wearing that hat of, you know, Uh, whether it's can't read or family background is difficult or misbehaves in class or whatever. And there was one particular um, young lad who came to me that year. Sorry, we'll probably get very emotional today, won't we? (laughs) Just to warn you. Um, uh, His name was... He had um, come, his mum and his sister and himself had escaped an abusive um, father, abusive relationship, and they were in a hostel um, for, um, for mothers and, and their children. And obviously this child came with quite a lot of vi- violent tendencies because that's what he'd experienced. Um, and he came into my class um, and just going back to the sort of question of where you first sort of about you know thinking about justice lots of the other teachers and they were brilliant teachers but they would label him straight away as you know the violent child or I don't want him in here or he can't do that and I just stopped and I thought this isn't fair that's not fair on him you know he's think of the life as as a seven-year-old he's already had and so you know I was able then to take him out of class every 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 day i pinched a, a ta from somebody else and every day they just sat and played games after after lunch just for an hour to teach him how to take turns, to teach him how to be kind, to give him that attention. Um, and then he was allowed, once he knew how to do that, he was allowed then to invite a member of the class in um, to go and play games with him and he could learn how to share. And for me, that was like, this is this is justice. You know, this isn't fair that this child is already labelled at seven. And you just look beyond that outer shell of the violence and what does God see inside? And that's what we want to draw out. And well, that's what we want to make possible for every child so i think for me that was the that was the time i soon left teaching after that but um for me that was okay something needs to be done about this
1: uh, i i think with that and with the the macedonia stuff and what we both do for jobs these days it's about showing up and kind of being with people it's the love in action thing that misty talks about um you know is what's the, the bonhoeffer quote um when as christians we're not simply called to to to, put, to bandage the press, oh, we could have written down it. Well, I don't have, I don't have any glasses on. <laughs> ah, there you go. We're well, not to simply bandage the wounds of victims beneath the wheels of injustice, but to drive a spoke into the wheel itself. And that just wears the, yeah. Where are those cycles of injustice that we're called to drive the spoke into? Who is it we're coming alongside? Who is it we're showing up for? Like my, I've already mentioned, my my dear friend Greetsco. Okay, here's, here's a story of, of justice that will leave you pondering. Griesko, um is a was a, uh, a kindergarten teacher. Um, he didn't look like a kindergarten teacher. He's covered head to toe in uh, in tattoos. Um, most of which he did himself or got other friends to do so they're, they're not great tattoos <laughs> he had um hair down to his waist um he yeah um he had a, a big hole in his ear that kind of dangled down um but it's just was just so good with the kids and he would show up for them day in and day out you know we would walk through those, those dusty streets those streets that, you know just i can smell it now as you think about it just the because the, they it's also the town dump so the, the, everything would get dumped into shuka and mo- and the kids and yeah and actually the adults as well would sift through the rubbish to find stuff to sell um the market in Shukka was interesting we bought a rug from there didn't we yeah, it's good. Um, but so so Gritsko was there. He'd showed up. like He had the right to go and walk into these people's houses and would sit. She like, we, we we went and sat with people and we were there for them. Um, he did it so much that... because it's, it's a dangerous place. It's not somewhere you go after dark. Like, it's fine during the day, but don't go there after dark. And um, and Gritsko had left it late coming home one night. And uh, he's walking down one of these unlit... Kind of dirt tracks, and there's a car kind of following him down the road, kind of with its lights on. <laughs> and it it is kind of, you know, quite daunting, isn't it kind of just this car creeping along behind you. It pulls up alongside, the window comes down, and this this guy sat in front of the front says, "Hey, are you the one they called the teacher?" <laughs> 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 and there were, there were two police, uh, two undercover police people that wanted somebody to vouch for the, for the kids in. Uh, in Shutka, something had, had kicked off, and they were like, Oh, do you know these kids? It's like, because we, we trust you. But you could trust him because he's the one that's been showing up day in and day yeah. out. I remember we, we visited a, a wonderful family, wonderful family. Um, the dad was called Benny. Um, the, there were some peculiarities around the way shukka was formed it's quite a, an odd place but there was a lot of violence and particularly violence against women and you know it's just taught like that's just how it's just how you deal with your wife like you like ben it would beat his wife it, and one day he beat her so badly that she was put into hospital and beat her with a stick ridiculous and you know Gretzko's reaction to them talking to him afterwards like because we'd sat with ben like the the days before and sat and chatted and, and Chris, could just listen at me? it just explains like you cannot do that you cannot do that and what's more you cannot do that and expect me to be your friend it's showing up like i, I you. he's judging the action but he's not condemning the man because that's all he's been taught and he's he's then saying, "I will not be your friend if this if like you do that again. so he so the guy stopped and like that's that's the kind of thing that changes the culture of a place it's just that's cool that's showing up um so yeah d- d- justice <laughs> we'd lived in a um a, a new monastic community in Ger- in the east of Germany for a while uh which was <laughs> that's the story in itself um it, you know, it was it was a, a, an area of Germany that had been declared unfit for human habitation 20 years earlier. It was desolate. Um, it was just open-cast mining everywhere, uh, kind of dust everywhere. Um, the local town had far-right marches um, a few times a year. It's neo-Nazi stuff. It was just... Bonkers. Anybody with half a brain left, um, and yet we we came in and we like we became known as the Christians in the village. We got uh, somehow we got given a, um, a massive schoolhouse to to live in. Um, so there were about twenty of us, including kids, um, and you know we just we served the community. Uh, Misty was teaching in the kindergarten and at the school. Um, yeah, and just doing being Christians in the village, and it was quite weird everybody thought we were weird but there was a guy who came um the guy that we got to know through the Salvation Army in the local city Chemnitz and um it was winter and it gets really cold like really it's like minus 20 minus 30 it's really really cold um and there was a guy uh, called Heinz who was living on the streets in Chemnitz and um the Salvation Army knew him and they put a phone call in to to us and said, "We're really worried about Heinz. We think he's he's just not gonna he's not gonna make another week out in the cold," and um, and so he came to live with us. And like the part, the part that's one of the principles of justice for us is always making space around our tables, always having space to invite people into our lives. So that was that It just became really. Of course, Heinz can come and live with us. Absolutely. Like it's, it's uh, Heinz was a grumpy get when he arrives like he like he spent the last the last day he'd worked the last day he'd lived in a house was the day that but the the wall came down and kind of the communism socialism just fell apart like the structures all went so he hadn't worked since he'd been on the streets for 20 odd years <clears throat> and yeah he he looked like a man that'd been on the streets for 20 years he had his big rough beard He'd like he had no teeth like his fingers were yellow and couldn't move and we had to roll his cigarettes for him because he couldn't didn't have the dexterity in his fingers <coughs> uh, and he wouldn't live in the house <laughs> so we got so we got him a caravan and he lived in the caravan and justice looked like hines and it looked like hines as he changed we saw we saw Hines go from this old, wrinkled, kind of just wizened old man that that was really quite uh, nasty. Like just he's a git. Like he was, he'd complain about everybody's cooking. Like mate, just we just cooks your stuff. Um, don't expect gratitude. Um, it looked like him changing. He'd come in like that, and then but within a fairly short space of time within like a month or so he, he'd got the nickname Lustish Heinz uh, like funny Heinz like this is he'd, my favourite memory of him is him pushing the kids on their little toy cars kind of just running around the car park with it and he's kind of he's shaved and all of a sudden he's lost 25 years yeah I mean, it's not perfect. He was still drinking and smoking and and swearing at us, but like it changed. That's the that's what justice looks like.
2: And I think one of the things we learnt a lot um, at our, our time in Germany, as I say, is stories for another time, maybe. But um, I think we learnt the simplicity of justice in the in the simple things, like like creating enough making enough food for an extra person always making enough for in case somebody knocks on your door and needs a meal or you know you're walking down the street and somebody needs a meal always having that that so those simple lessons sharing your space you know we had a caravan right in the middle of our you know parking and garden area when Heinz arrived but but it was a simple thing that we could do to support somebody else and I think that's that was the main things about those. It, yes, seeing Heinz change, but in terms of family, in terms of you know what that looks like in family, it was just exposing our kids in a safe way to what justice looks like in a really simple, a simple manner. What every, every things everybody can do, um, and yeah.
1: And the kids came to the kindergarten as well. That's, that was
2: yes yeah so so our our children, yeah, yeah, came and helped when we were going and teaching English to the kindergarten children. They came and helped do that, um, and I think you know today we would see the impact of that on our own children they've definitely got um, our son has definitely got a justice backbone, I would say, um, and you know, but both of them you know welcome the stranger, and you know that's just the way that, that sort of we've taught them, i think, but yeah
1: yeah and and mimi Mimi and I went back to um to Macedonia uh, just before, literally the, the week before lockdown hit in 2020. And, the, and the, the one thing she wanted to do was go back to Shutka and be with the kids in the kindergarten. And just involve, like just, I like miss Says, kind of say, it makes space for your families to kind of just adjust. is isn't something you do over there. It's something you, you are, right? It's, yeah, uh, yeah. All of that, and and sometimes that costs you stuff because, like, if you if you need to be making extra food for somebody, every so that somebody could po- walk through your door any day, that means you, n- n- y- your food. our food quality suffered somewhat because it's like you need to make that food go further so we ate very simply we we ate very simply so we had made space for people around the table but it also was a space of invitation so that we're not putting expectations that anybody that would come into the community that would be a barrier on them joining us so let's let's bring the level down here we're not expecting you to have to contribute up here we're just going to we'll eat mustard soup with boiled eggs in and stuff like that
0: I mean, that's, that's brilliant. I mean, you, you ticked off quite a few of my questions that I've got here already, which is right. great. Um, no, it's brilliant. Um, and it's exciting for us right now to hear you talk about Macedonia because we're going to have a few guys go and visit um, oh, Glaston, Skopje next month. Oh, so cool. we're really excited go ahead to, ahead. to go there. And, and we're going to be flying there, but obviously that wasn't your story, was it? And it, it, it feels, you know, I, you, yeah. you might be sick to death of this story, but for me, I love it. So I, just because just, you mentioned it in passing, but it doesn't do it justice, really, huh, to 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 speak about it like that. So, just in in short, um, you just tell us that story about how you went from being a teacher to being in East Germany and in Macedonia.
2: So we were in Turkey. We church planted in Turkey with some friends. Um, we'd been there eight year by eight years. Um, and felt God was sort of shaking the nest a bit we were beginning to feel a bit uncomfortable Um, we were beginning to live a bit of a comfortable life Um, we were connecting more with 24-7 and um, just the the teachings of 24-7 really did yeah just sort of shook our comfortability is that a word um it is now um (laughs) um, and so we began to just sort of search and say to god okay what does what does this look like for us if if we're not to be here and live this you know comfortable life with nice cars and jobs at the council and all that kind of thing um what does it what does it look like so um yeah scott went to one of the 24 7 um uh conferences yeah and was was really challenged with um a word that somebody spoke about jesus just saying follow me you know are are you following me it's like oh Okay, we think we are, we're we're church leaders and we're doing all of this, but are we actually following you in every aspect of our lives? And to cut a long story short, that basically led to us um, deciding to leave Torquay and um, follow God around Europe. So we sold our house and um, majority of our stuff, packed up our two small children in a campervan, um, and um, turned left. Basically, crossed the Channel and turned left. Um, we'd, we'd met a few. We'd met a few people um, along the way through 24/7 in various places, Germany and Macedonia, and knew we were going to end up there eventually. Um, we'd done six months of Spanish lessons. Um, never went to Spain. Um, so... <laughs> So you can plan as much as you like, but God always has other plans. Um, yeah, and so that, that's when we then went and we, we spent, um, did a bit of travelling. We, we had the real pleasure of visiting fledgling communities that were connecting with 24-7 prayer, hearing their stories, and then going to another fledgling community and sharing their stories with the next people and encouraging them that way. So it wasn't anything we were doing. We were just carry, story carriers, if you like, and carrying that around and encouraging people as we went. Um, and that led to us being a year in mass cedonia and a year in this um, community in in germany
0: fantastic and how old were your kids when you did that
2: um two and a half and five yeah there you go <laughs> anything is possible yeah so
0: <laughs> then the, when you talk about taking ex- exposing your children taking your family doing it as a family mm. and then bringing people into your home what, when you say that you're you're doing that in an environment with with small children as well which, yeah. and scott you know you talked about when you were in, in Shukka, that's when that realisation came to you. And I guess you would say to have your children exposed to that early, yeah. <laughs> much earlier than you, maybe 20, 30 years earlier than you, it's a blessing to them, isn't it?
1: Yeah, uh, yes, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's it, like Misty says, Evan's... St- social justice streak is fierce he's he's he will be far exceeding both of us right he's like that's and that comes from like seeing seeing justice in action like just knowing that that, that's not right so i'm gonna and for him it's like that's not right i'm gonna do something about it um so yeah whatever that might be for him he's he's got a thing about trespass at the moment and access of to land and stuff um yeah and for, for Mimi as well it's like she just wants she's so uh, her heart has been softened to that Evan's Evan's got like fierce and hot and uh and, and Mimi has just melted with it so so she's like I want to go back to the kindergarten I want to go and teach I want to just go and help the kids
0: so yeah yeah and that's something I was struck with. when you read that Bonhoeffer quote clearly that's something that you guys hold on this there's, there's like a the way that that's described, there's like an aggression to it, you know, yeah. driving something through the through the spokes of the wheels. Um, and, and would you say that, that that's sort of more your... Because like it's just described there, Mimi and Evan, yeah. maybe different styles or different attitudes toward justice, but with the same heart and, and feeling and intent, but it comes out differently. Would you say that your guys is more of like, a, I mean, the way that you... The jobs that you've chosen to take on makes me think, yes... I think we both do that, right? misty looks for the, the
1: structures and cycles, and just of of injustice around locally. Um, we'll talk about that in a minute. But, for, and, for, but for, and for me, my career. This career I thought I'd have a career um, has, has led me to, to kind of work in kind of international charities and it's like just seeing such injustice like I said I was in I was in Nigeria about uh, what it was three weeks ago in, in Abuja um, and my team are in Kaduna uh, state which is just like, it's on it's on fire it's it's awful um, you know Nigeria is gonna fall apart people are dying Daily, the day I arrived into Abuja. So this is just a single day, and it's not. And this is a normal day. A church was bombed in Kano. Um, a pastor was abducted for uh, was one point two million naira r- ransom. It was a daily occurrence. Um, a military plane was. Grounded in off Kaduna Airport, and then on the day I left, a school teacher was shot dead at a roadblock because she failed to stop. Um, shot by whether it's Boko Haram or, or Fulani. And I just, like, it's just deep injustice. Like that I mean, that's huge injustice. And the, the it's funny, kind of the, drive that stick into the space. It's quite. It's got to be quite a big stick when you're looking at that stuff. But that's what we do at CSW. You know, we're we we are now so there was a, a horrific case. Um, okay, it's a child in the room. Um, There's a horrific case a couple of weeks uh, last week, uh, which really rocked me. And sometimes, and that's part of the cost of kind of doing the job, right? It's like uh, a, this thing happened, and it's just like I I could barely function for a few days. Just like we see horrific stuff happen day in day out, but this one was like that's just too much. God,
0: just too much. Um, I'll just ask a question at that point then so uh, I guess you guys have this is what I would see and you can tell me that I'm wrong is you know I guess you have sort of journeyed towards um, you've seen these big you've seen in the small and on the ground injustice in individuals looking people in the eye and now I guess you're both working towards um I don't know how you'd describe it, bring injustice, I guess, to the big overarching structures, the structural things of injustice. How, how would you say... I, I'm trying to just think of a question that, that makes sense. Is, <laughs> how do you journey from, from what... How did you guys journey, I guess, from not necessarily everyone, but how did you journey from, from one to the other? You know, because it's easy to be overwhelmed isn't it when you when you do look in the newspaper i have my newspaper delivered this morning and you flick through it and there's so much isn't there and ha, ha, i guess you almost have to become all right with or, or god reveals to you where you can or what you can do yeah. so how would you describe your your journey misty in in doing that from one to the other
2: i think the first thing is asking god what are you breaking my heart for because there is so much and you could just be in a big heap the whole time if you if you take everything to heart but I think it's, it's identifying that thing that God has put on your heart at that time to de- so that you can see where God's heart is breaking for something so that's the first thing so that you, because you, otherwise you run on empty you know, you're just running on, um, you know anyone can see an injustice and try and do something about it if that's not why God is leading you then you're just going to end up in a heap and I think certainly from a, a matrix point of view is when people see you doing, doing the day to day, you know, meeting the young people one to one, listening to what they're telling you about, listening to, to their injustices in their life, um, then God opens the doors to bigger things so people see what you're already doing in the community and you jump at those opportunities to go and speak about it on a, on a wider platform whether that's to you know more churches or the council or whatever um, and you see where God opens those doors and you push doors and see if they open so I think it's that God's got to do something in you first and then it's taking what he's given you and that what you're doing in front of you and seeing what, what's next, really? If that makes sense. Yes,
1: and it, it's rem, remember for me. It's remembering the face of the person. Like it's it's about people, right? Um, but you. <sighs> whoever this might be, whether it's Heinz in Germany or Pastor Lorenzo in Cuba or uh, Deborah in Nigeria, it's like look at the person and the individual needs and then, but then looking for kind of what are the systems and structures are in place that are preventing this person like living their life to the the full. What is it that's, that's like oppressing this person and how do I make a change there? And especially when you, when you talk internationally, because the stuff we did, I do is international. We are so fortunate living in this country. We, we have such access to power. It's ridiculous. So the, the lie of the enemy is that your your voice doesn't matter. It's utter rubbish. Your voice does matter. You've got access to your your politicians, your members of parliament. They're there to represent you, and you you get to you get to challenge structures that way. Like, and you can do that locally, and nationally, and internationally. So get hold of the structures that are kind of like so you start with the person and you look at kind of what it is that's that's hindering them um but then you come back down and make sure it's about a person again so it's like, keep kind of going up and down this ladder making sure you're continually focused on the that's on the individual that's what we tell stories
0: yeah brilliant and some of you remember particularly our kids right i can see scott's t-shirt here free lear some of you remember our kids katie you might have yeah. written a letter to free lear mm-hmm. did, you, did you remember doing that few years ago I th- yeah you do remember thank you, you did do I remember you did it um so that's great I think we'll take a pause here and maybe we'll throw a question onto our tables and you guys feel free to join a table if you want to or if you want to rush your voices that's fine um we'll throw a question onto our tables and Jeanette and Shaw, if you want to discuss amongst yourselves that's good as well ha- um maybe a good question at this point is to ask yourselves and to reflect and to ask one another God what what are you breaking my heart for Remind yourself of the call that maybe you once heard or that God's speaking to you now. What is God breaking your heart for? Because I guess together, we sort of cover the bases. <laughs> if one of us does, you know, international human rights. The other one does education in our town. The other one sits with one person for one hour a week. You know, all of that. Um, so just remind yourselves amongst our tables, what's God breaking my heart for? So I'm really pleased that... Um, When you ask a question like that, you hope people have got something to say. (laughs) And it's great to look around the room and see conversations flowing when it comes to, you know, what's breaking your heart. I mean, it's horrible because it means you know there is injustice in the world (laughs) but but we knew that already um but it's great you know to look around and see a church that is that feels the burden of that and that that wants to talk about these things and and has a heart to to do something about it so so well done and let's let's keep going and and encouraging each other um it'd be good just does anyone want to to feedback on on anything that um they they spoke about or or anything that um, that has spoken to them from hearing from Scott and Misty uh, so far. Yeah, that's brilliant. Just for you guys on Zoom, um, Benga just shared his gratitude for um, Scott and CSW going to Nigeria um, as a proud Nigerian, and, and Debbie also sharing a story about um, journeying with one of their neighbours um, to and looking at how they can take that relationship from the front door to their table. Um, which is great, very inspiring as well. So, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Um, just as we go into these last few minutes, if you do have any questions that you want to ask Scott and Misty, do um, jot those down as, as we go. Um, maybe we'll have some time for, for questions at the end. Um, but, uh, yeah, just continuing our, our conversation, um, I guess we've, we've talked a lot about. Um, about your own stories and your own journeys, and and it's been really good to hear that. Um, I guess, and it, we heard a good advert to go to the gathering in uh, at the end of October uh, <laughs> as well. Uh, maybe God will send you off in a campervan to to turn left or right off the at the channel. Um, so yeah, the dates for that have just been released, twenty seventh to thirtieth of October. Do um, put those dates in your diaries, and it'll be in Belfast this year. Um, so great to go back there. Um, little plug. So. Um, Yeah, I guess another question I'd like to ask you is, you know, we we talked about the costs, and, Scott, you had that little throwaway line, don't expect gratitude, (laughs) um, which was great, and spoke volumes. There you go. So that spoke volumes to me as well, and I thought, oh, I must jot that down, uh, which I did. But, yeah, don't expect gratitude. What are some of the the challenges that we can face, maybe that that bubble up for our own cultural expectations, but what are some of the challenges and, and the costs... That, that we can face, you talked about some but but just going on that a little bit more um and, and you can talk just talk about that from your experience as, as a family and as as people and in in your roles, i guess i'm not sure what i'm not sure
1: whether cost is the right words it's like it's, it's the rewards that are um Far outweigh any cost. It's all relative, isn't it? And I just, I remember coming back from Schutka. We'd kind of landed quite abruptly back into the UK. Um, I'd, two days before, been with friends in Schutka saying goodbye in shipping containers and shacks and whatever, and found myself two days later on a Sunday at some dear friend's house because they were hosting a barbecue for Emmaus Road. Um, Emmaus Road is in very leafy, wealthy Guildford Um, and you know they had ponies and a swimming pool and lake and like billiard rooms and stuff like that and I was just sat there going I don't get it I just don't like I was there and now like how is this equitable and like it's I don't know I still haven't quite squared that one away I just think it doesn't matter Um, like do we does it cost you financially maybe a bit like but but what we've got is so much more than 90% of the world. Like, what we've got, like, it's... We don't, like, how much do we need? I don't know. Um, Anyway, it's like, just what's the the reward in that? And you think of the people that I work with around the world. I was in a prayer meeting for Eritrea um, just this week where people are are fleeing in the thousands. And as they're fleeing the border, people are shooting to kill. and And their access to getting into the UK is non-existent. And, like, just flipping out. People that have to flee their homes because of the, the, the persecution they will suffer, the threat to their life and their kind of way of life and their families. It's horrific, I can't imagine what that's like. But yeah, so, yeah whether it's Middle East or Africa or like, we're seeing a great, uh, loads of people fleeing Cuba at the moment it's really interesting, the government have cracked down. Apparently, they do this every so often, it's like a release valve that they put in, so everything over the summer had kind of come to a head, and we thought we were about to see a real freedom transition start to come to Cuba, um, with the communist regime there, where we had Like we were seeing seeing prayer turning into protest and spilling out onto the streets, which is amazing, it's like the the old Leipzig um, prayer meetings it was exactly that, like churches coming together to pray for the freedoms and that then spilled out onto these peaceful protests on the street which then got clamped down by the government so what I'm going uh, to a little bit later I'm going to ask you to sign a petition to get this guy free, is Pastor Lorenzo so he was out on the streets on the, in July last year with his son and they um, yeah he was, he was arrested with his son like crazy putting a, a, yeah, a child in prison and um, and, yeah, they, they've cramped down on him and have now given him a seven-year sentence. Just He's a pastor. He leads a church like this one. Uh, and just for taking part in a, police, a peaceful protest, they're going to make an example of him and put him in prison for seven years. So we're trying to uh, get his release. But the, the the government have seen that kind of this build-up of resistance is happening so therefore they kind of allow kind of bits of access for people to leave the country so all our brilliant activists and uh, human rights defenders lawyers journalists they're suddenly seeing a slight way out so the the government will allow them to leave and not allow them back again it's like this pressure valve gets taken off so it gets a big reset back into cuba but yeah all that to say like there are this uh, uh, a bishop in a Methodist convention in Cuba that's fled and is now um, he's now making his way on foot across Mexico because he couldn't have, he couldn't wait for the process to follow. We, I think he was in he was in a, th- a third country and we were tr- we were trying to organise his asylum application there. But his wife was in Miami. He's like, I just need to go. So he's taking it, him and his two kids walking or being transported, being trafficked across Mexico because uh, he thinks that's the best option for him. I I can't imagine what people like that go through. And we talk about cost.
0: Yeah. yeah, I guess one, one thing we can talk about with cost is Debbie rightly used the word that your job as a bereavement with wife is your passion. And if we think about the word passion, my understanding of that word is it also can mean pain. You know, we think of the, the passion of Christ, right? It's, it's also, it's a pain. And um, how, how do you guys, I mean, Scott, yours you hear and see some horrendous stories every single day, <laughs> too many in a day, probably. And, and Misty, we, a lot of us here will know what it's like working with young people, and, and you, you see the same, almost the same stories come up year, year on year as kids reach the same sort of age, or, you know. Um, how, how do you, I guess, because as someone like me, who's very adverse to pain, who will say, he'll put his feet up for a couple of hours if he stubs his toe, you know, how, how, do you, how do you deal with that level of pain? And and how, how can God... How does God... has your relationship with God help you in that? And, and how do we deal with, with the constant pain of living out our passions for justice? Or do we? <laughs>
1: Have you got something to say?
2: I'll just say something quickly. Um, I think it sounds a bit cliche, but, but prayer. So, you know, on those days where, you know, we might hear of a young person's suicide or whatever... It's actually coming to God in, in prayer. And, and we're fortunate enough that we work with a team of people who, who also pray. Although, funnily enough, those in our team who, who don't have a faith also like to be in those prayer, prayer meetings with us. And often the ones who are bringing the prayer requests, which is great. Um, but yeah, just being able to um, have that effectively, like you say, like a release valve to be able to talk to God this is this is painful I can't deal with it um, you have to bring it to God you have to lay it at the foot of the cross say I, w- I want to help but there is a limit to what I can do I'm just a, a pair of hands and a, a pair of feet so, I bring it to you, and you, you have to you have to be able to put it down you can't you know whilst we want to bring people into our home and you know that kind of thing you also have to be able to um, to be able to go into your home yourself and close the door at times um, you know Jesus took times away to pray on his own because he knew the the necessity and he demonstrated that to us, so those things are really really important and and it's okay to feel that pain and to have to have time out from it, you know, no one's saying we have to be in it all the time, 24 seven.
1: I I would say probably, pretty much similar. I was gonna make a a joke about the pain you suffer as a Chelsea supporter, but uh, (laughs) (laughs) we'll we'll gloss over that for now. (laughs) Um, I think it's, yeah, it's just uh, expanding really on what Misty said, I think. I think it's acknowledging that it's the Missio Dei, It's it's the mission of God, it's not our mission, right? We join with him yeah we join with him he doesn't join, join with us that's that's it um i've I always use the illustration of, of when evan was very young probably four or five we were staying in somebody's house in uh in guildford and i had to mow the lawn so i had a petrol lawnmower and was out kind of p- putting my stripes in the lawn and up and down and and evan came out as can i help I said, yeah. <laughs> yeah go on <laughs> so he's there like that and just walking around the garden doing the like just clumps of grass everywhere and like there you go I'm done (laughs) like great and in that in that moment God's like now you, you see what I feel like do you not think I could do this so much better so much quicker the joy is that I let you come and play with that stuff, and we get to join with him and catch his heart. And so, just specifically for for CSW, you you may have seen a couple of years ago in the papers, Amnesty International got 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 really uh, a, a lot of criticism. They found kind of culture of bullying, and kind of two members of staff had committed suicide, and just this like and. When you work in, in our field, um, there's something you develop called uh, Messiah, Messiah Complex. That means that, that you think that you have to be the one that fixes everybody's problems. Like you say, we see stuff come across my desk every day. And, and sometimes you can help and sometimes you can't. But for, for, especially for my team that are working on specific countries that build up very close relationships with people, it's really hard because like you go to sleep at night and they're still kind of in prison or still facing the same trial or, or having to flee or whatever it is now it's like there's just such a burden on them so uh, Amnesty International had the kind of Messiah complex where like they just every people were burning out my yeah having a Messiah complex without a messiah is really dangerous if you how, if you get a Messiah complex and you've got a Messiah then that's okay right it's one Misty said kind of just the, the prayer thing so it's like yeah we accepted th- this burden on but then we pass it on to God, like so just, just, like that's our release. That goes up, to, up to God. It's like it's, it's your mission, not ours. Yeah,
0: brilliant. I think we'll, we'll, we'll draw a line there. If, if anyone, is there, does anyone have any questions? If you can just shout them out, I'll repeat them for the Zoom. And if anyone's got any, so Holly's question for the Zoom is: um, What are there any particular parts of Scripture that you, you will return to and come back to? to to help you in in face these things of injustice Um,
2: it's funny you should read the isaiah scripture because um all that we do at matrix is based on isaiah 61 verse 3 we like the street bible version for those of you who are around in the 90s um but that talks about you know beauty for ashes and and um those kind of things and But yeah, it does. It reminds you, although it sort of reminds you of your calling, it also reminds you of um, that it's that it's that it's God. You know, God has God has commissioned you to do that Um, and that it's you're just his hands and his feet. And I think in your circumstance, you know, those those children, what I was thinking as you were talking is is going into that space and asking God, what do I need to be for this person at this moment? You can't be everything to them, but actually, do they need a shoulder to cry on? Do they need a kind word? Do they need something practical done? What is it that I need to do in that moment for that person? Um, and I think, you know, when you work one-to-one with people, that's, you know, that's, that's something that I often ask myself.
1: Uh, my go-to would be, uh, I think it's Philippians too, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion in the day of Christ Jesus. Um, and yeah, I was in, when I was in Nigeria, I was with, with the incoming president of, of CAN, the Christian Association of Nigeria, and I got to pray with him and share that with him. It's just that, like, it, it will be okay. It will come
0: to completion. Like, it will end. So that just, that helps me. Brilliant. Thank you. Does anyone else have a question? So John's question is, do you think there's a, a tendency towards looking at injustice abroad to deflect away from our own injustices in this country? Probably, but I think
1: it swings both ways. I think as well, we've, we've seen uh, if you're working in international human rights, there's no attention when COVID hits. And quite rightly, you know, there's no attention given to the international. It immediately closes down. Um, and that follows with donations and stuff as well. It's like, so yes, you're right. Yeah, and, and certainly politicians play games, and they, they like to keep certain things in the headlines and certain things they'll avoid. You know, we we're being recorded, are
0: we? <laughs> yeah, but we can redact it.
1: Yeah, so we got offered some mo- some money from the FCDO um, a few years ago to, to run some projects on five countries. Um, and we submitted our application and said yes, that's very good, but not, we don't want you to work on Nigeria um, or Pakistan. So, so we. I, it, because of the, the trade links and because the Brexit was happening and we need to keep in, in with Nigeria despite the fact that the place is on the verge of civil war and like people are dying daily. So we said, no, thank you. We're not going to take that money, which is <laughs> the CEO kills you because it's a lot of money. But yeah, and, like, and we've, we've got a ministerial happening around freedom of religion or belief soon. And we, we were pitching to put a, a big side event on, um, on Nigeria and the FCDO refused it because... It, they want to keep certain things in headlines but yes you're right so it works both ways politics eh it says looking at Phil
0: (laughs) I think we might have time for one last one Debbie yeah
1: there's plenty of information out there it's just I think um, maybe we don't care enough I think it goes back to John's question of like what's what's getting our attention in the media and it's it's the uh, Rooney case and that, that, that that's what we care about and who's going to win the, the um, yeah, Eurovision Song Contest and all that stuff and yet, yeah, at the same time we're seeing people die day in day out and that, it's,
0: it's, it's politicians and it's media it's a great mix hey eh? yeah let's see what we feel about Ukraine if we end up playing them in the World Cup on the 29th <laughs> of <laughs> November Okay, well, that's great. Um, let's give Scott and Misty a round of applause. They've been brilliant, shared so much. <laughs> Thanks so much. Scott's going to come round with this petition. Please sign it to free and um, pass it Lorenzo. Oh, I should give you an opportunity, both of you. Uh, is there anything that we can, apart, as well as this, how, how can we know more about CSW and support them, and how can we keep up to date with what's going on with Matrix, and is there anything that we can...
2: So Matrix, um, yeah, check out our website. Um, if you're ever in Guildford, do pop into our social enterprise cafe, grab yourself some lunch. Every penny goes towards the work that we do. That's the main way to, to support us, really. Excellent.
1: Follow you on Instagram and Twitter and all that, right? Yeah, yeah yep. right. Hideaway Cafe, right? Yeah. The Hideaway Cafe. Yeah. Um, I've got, I brought some stuff, so I, I'll leave that out for you to pick up and you can sign up to receive stuff from us. And... Pray for us, please. We've got prayer diaries. They're good.
0: Excellent. And if anyone's got a pen, please make that known so we can sign this petition. <laughs> uh, brilliant. Yeah, thanks so much. Uh, do stay around for tea and coffee. Carry on conversations around each other's lunch tables at home. You invite one another. And um, yeah, brilliant. Thank you. Oh, and we talked about prayer. prayer week next month. Get excited. Get it in your calendar. Um, we can pray about some of these things and partner with God. Amen.